When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Sick of being upsold at gyms? My guy, you're currently a base member. For $90 more, I can upgrade you to our Shred membership. For $130 more, you'll be a swole member. And for just $300 more, you'll reach Sweat Platinum. At Planet Fitness, you'll get energy without the upsell. Never pushy, always free fitness training and equipment for every workout. It's fitness that fits your budget. Join Planet Fitness for just $1 down and $10 a month. Cancel anytime. Deal ends Friday, May 10th. See Home Club for details. And welcome to Heart and Hand, the Rangers podcast. My name is David Edgar. I am your host, as always. And some weeks are more fun than others. This week was not particularly fun. Thankfully, my my soberest podder this bank holiday is Ross Hutton. <laughs> good afternoon, Ross. Ah, uh, good afternoon, David. Is it just the two of us miserable bastards to go through this? Then I'm afraid Brilliant. so. As I see all these people, uh, it, it's funny they, they all have got kids, all about my pals, and <laughs> I. If we'd won, I'd have been fucking fighting them off with a shitty stick, but we didn't win, and that is the the depressing part. Ross, a lot of debate before we get into what we witnessed. A lot of debate about how far off are we now. I said a thing at the weekend, I'll repeat for anyone who missed it, because I maintain this is the case. We're not far away, but we're far enough away. It's not a case of, I see us finishing every year, you know, 25 points behind Celtic. But this team, at this moment, there is a gap. Uh, We're going to analyse where that gap is. But the last three games, since Bale came in, have shown you the competitive, not a lot between the two teams, but in the real quality areas, the real fine line stuff, they have an advantage. And personally, I don't believe we will overcome that advantage with this squad. I think we will need to change the squad before we can start to close that gap. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Um, I think the key thing to say there is this is not 2017-18 anymore, because you're right, this isn't a case where in the kind of early Brendan Rodgers era of Celtic and the absolute basket case that we were as a, as a side at the time, that we were absolutely miles away from them and that was evident in, in the old firm games. That's not the case anymore. Now, sure, we've had some shocking results, particularly at Parkhead in recent memory, but in general terms, over the course of the piece, the games have been quite tight, especially since Michael Beale has come into Rangers. You think of, obviously, the 2-2 at Ibrooks, which we should have won. You think of the game at Hamden in the League Cup final, which was close as well, and then, obviously, that game at the weekend. But those nearly stories, those hard luck moments, almost are indicative of what this Rangers side is, to be honest. And you're right, that doesn't change unless the personnel does. The reality of the situation is, when it matters... In the key moments, Celtic are ruthless in a way that we just aren't, and we are yeah. not going to be. 
we're not going to be with this front three. We're not going to be with a lot of the players in this midfield. We're not going to be with this squad. And that's just the reality of the situation now. I think what this squad has proven since Michael Beale has come into the club is that it can be a consistent side, which was one of my biggest complaints with Rangers beforehand, uh, to make the old firms really matter in a way that I think they're going to more and more, uh, given there's a, a real lack of quality elsewhere in the league. So what that means is, first and foremost, you need to be consistent against the rest of the league. That's something that Celtic have done fantastically well over the past two seasons. And Michael Bull has shown that he can get this side to be consistent against the rest of the team in the league. It was neck and neck on points since Michael Bill came in to take it from that time frame. He had matched Celtic's running results. But then that makes the Old Firm games even more important. And what this squad has shown in those Old Firm games, just even take out the League Cup final for a minute and just look at the league, as it doesn't have the the quality in those key moments to really punish Celtic and make a count. So, for instance, in the game at Ibrox, we didn't have the quality to see out the game in those closing moments, which would have been a, a massive statement win quite early on, quite fresh into Michael Beals Rangers' managerial career. And then on <laughs> on Saturday, just didn't have the quality to not blow our own foot off mm. in key moments and in, in key moments in the game as well not just defensively but going forward we had good opportunities that we had carved out for ourselves we didn't have the quality to take them the opportunities that the Celtic forwards carved out for themselves or indeed were gifted to them they had the quality to take them and that's the difference between these two sides and it doesn't matter how much tweaking and tinkering you do with this current squad of players that doesn't change so what that says to me is we do need this big clear out in the summer. I don't think that's news as of Saturday. We've been speaking about it for months, David. But I think it just highlights it quite perfectly if you ever needed it to be highlighted why and how important that is that we get this right. Because Celtic have the quality to punish teams. They punish where we probe. And there was plenty of instances you've seen that on Saturday. There's plenty of instances you've seen that across the course of the season, not just in old firm matches. And that's a difference maker. Are the two teams miles apart in terms of individual quality? No, probably not. They're quite evenly matched, actually, in the recent games have borne that out. But they're light years apart in terms of clinical quality, and I think those are two different things. Yeah, and I, for me, I agree with you. Incidentally, uh, you know, you can talk about... We can talk about the, the fact that it was defensive errors and whatnot, but, you know, they made defensive errors too. The difference is their front line punishes defensive errors, ours doesn't. And that is, for me, the fundamental difference. And it isn't just that these games, because we speak about most weeks on this show, oh, did win, but we should have scored more goals. Um, and that's because the decision-making from our front players is often poor. The execution isn't always great. And because of that, we, we make enough chances, we get into good opportunity, uh, good places to, to create opportunities, but then it's that last bit. Uh, and that's the difference. It's why Celtic have got a better goal difference than us. Uh, I think the teams are actually pretty similar. Now that Rangers have upgraded the midfield, I think Rangers are pretty similar. Celtic didn't create anyone near as much against us at the weekend as they have done in the past. And that was because the midfield wasn't completely overrun, which is what happened the last time we were at Parkhead. Of the three matches against them, I would say that the first one, Beal was just in the door. The squad was still you know, reeling from what had happened to it just before the World Cup. And you're right, it would have been great to, to hold it out, but I, I don't think that was a, a disaster. The League Cup final was a disaster. The manager got it wrong, the tactics were wrong, the, the performance was poor. At the weekend... I think there was that residual fear, if everyone's being honest, of what had happened to Rangers going to Parkhead, no away fans, that sort of thing, that they would go there and they would buckle, and they didn't. Um, and they do get a wee bit of credit for that. 
but in the end, he didn't have the quality required to go and get the win. But the case was not aided, and we will deal with this. We'll get this out of the way at the start with the referee performance of one Kevin Clancy. Now, Rangers fans had feared going into the game what we were likely to get from him, and we were correct to do so because it was an appalling performance. Now, it was capped off, of course, by the Morelos goal, Ross, but that was not the only instance. There were several Celtic players being allowed to make tackles and not receiving bookings for them. A couple of fouls that broke promising Rangers attacks that really, I, I think, you, a kind interpretation would would struggle to come up with that they were fouls. Uh, it was almost like tactical fouls from the referee being awarded. And in general, he does tend to miss an awful lot. <laughs> now, with referees, normally I would say, well, they're not biased, they're just bad. But when that happens, the referee is bad for both teams. Kevin Clancy isn't bad for both teams in Rangers matches. And that's why it's very difficult to believe that there isn't some, shall we say, subconscious reason that prevents him from, from giving Rangers decisions. I, I don't believe it or not, Ross, normally buy into the, the thing of, or oh, if he goes a whole career just to get one up on Rangers or Celtic. I don't tend to believe that. But Clancy is one of these referees who knows it's a lot easier to give decisions against Rangers than it is to give them against Celtic. And I think you saw on Saturday, if the crowd wanted something, they got it. Yeah, that's it. And I think with Kevin Clancy, part of the issue is this was not a one-off howl over a performance, David. We've seen this before. Um, your mind drifts back to the 2019 Old Firm game, the Ryan Kent game. Um, the Aberdeen it? game in January 2022, which was yes, a laughable yes. performance. Um, so it's, it's not even just the case that he's a weak referee at Parkhead. He's a weak and poor referee across the board. And the thing is, there are only so many weak and poor performances that you can put in before people start asking serious questions. Now, the nature of how we ask those questions, I think, is maybe something different. Obviously, Rangers have written, and have, uh, I think uh, as of 10 minutes ago, we've found out that they've received a clarification for that Alfredo Morelos decision. But I'd, I'd love to be able to read that myself, David, because I have not heard one single solitary pundit, one not one single solitary serious pundit, come out and say that they thought that was a foul. Exactly. Even Dermot Gallagher earlier on on Ref Watch on Sky said that he thought Celtic were incredibly lucky. He's a Celtic fan, so you know what I mean? This is not even a, a kind of issue that falls along party lines, so to speak, which you could usually find. And to be honest, I can understand that. This is a tribal business yeah, at the best of yeah. times. But this is not one of those cases that people have kind of just came out and said, oh, no, I think it's a foul just because it has went in Celtic's favour. Everybody has said that he has had an absolute shocker there. And what, one of the key points of that as well was if that happens up the other end, right? Oh, yeah, and Tav, Tav gets caught under the ball, which is what happens to Johnson. The fair play is it's clever by the boy because he knows he's not getting there. He knows he's lost that duel because that's what it is. It's a duel. It's a contest, not a foul. Mm. He knows he's lost it, so he throws himself to the ground in the hope that Kevin can't, Kevin Clancy with 60,000 Celtic fans around him will buy it. And that's exactly what happened. But if that's up the other end and Tav goes down under pressure from I don't know, Jota behind him. That goal does not get ruled out. Not in a month of Sundays does that goal get ruled out. And this is the issue with Kevin Clancy. There is no consistency of decision-making. There is no consistency of refereeing performances. The only consistency is the inconsistency of his poor ones. That's the issue there. Callum McGregor should not have ended that game on the park either. Should have been booked far earlier than what he was and was then allowed to individually get away with persistent fouling as well. 
And you and I don't want to be coming on here talking about referees. I don't really think that any podder does, to be honest. We'd rather talk about Rangers and their performances and our, our deficiencies and focus on that. But when the performance of the referee is so game-changingly bad, it's impossible to look at anything else. And I think Rangers have a, a real, real reason to feel aggrieved at coming away from Parkhead without at least a point because of that refereeing performance. We didn't help ourselves. We're going to talk about that in a minute. We seriously didn't help ourselves. But when you're up against it in the way that you are when Kevin Clancy's the referee, then what more can you do? Yeah, um, it, it was just disgraceful. And it, it, it is a huge game-changing decision because we go a goal up, pressure completely switches instead they go... They get the advantage. And look, no complaints about their open goal from a referee or anything point of view. It was, it was down to good finishing and mistakes that we made. But yeah, you, you have to get big decisions right. And we have a guy here who consistently doesn't. Big game changing decisions you get wrong. And because of that, it's a case of why is this guy being allowed to continue to scar these top division matches? Because that's what he's doing. Um, we shouldn't be talking about a referee, we should, especially not in either of our. And I think that's the thing for Rangers. Between that and the, the missed penalty and Morelos in the second half, these are things you've got to get right. That's the whole point of VAR. That you're sitting there, you've got replays, you tell the ref to hang on and you tell him to go and have a look. And if he sticks to his decision, fine, there's nothing you can do about that as the VAR team. But the VAR team didn't do their job either. I thought that Rangers, certainly at the start, played well. Um, the game wasn't exactly high quality but a big part of that as I said at the start was the fact that our midfield stood up to them and didn't get overrun in that opening 20 which Celtic have done to us at Parkhead and certainly was the plan for them at the weekend but they, they couldn't quite do it uh, and we've seen them do that to us before and I think that's because Raskin for me was the best player uh, on the park for us at the weekend I thought he was terrific which was great to see because that's a tough one to go in and make your your first old thumb start, you know, as I say, away from home, no supporters there. Uh, and yeah. it showed the mentality that we need. Cantwell didn't create a lot, but uh, again, I think that people sometimes confuse that Cantwell is an out-and-out forward. He had midfield responsibilities at the weekend that he had to concentrate on. And if you look at the six players in there, none of them really got the upper hand but significantly because the six of them played their their roles. That can happen. But from our point of view, having seen us completely overrun there before, uh, I thought the midfield was a lot better than, than what we've witnessed in previous matches. And even going back to the League Cup final, uh, that midfield that day compared to, to what we saw at the weekend was night and day. Yeah, couldn't agree more. I think one thing that Rangers did incredibly well, actually, especially in the opening exchanges on Saturday, was we allowed Starfelt and Carter Rickers to have the ball. Now, those are two players that can't really hurt you on the ball. Celtic's um, prowess in midfield comes from allowing Callum McGregor yeah, to players dictate. like Matt O'Reilly and to dictate the game. Yeah, and what I actually thought we'd done very well, and I pointed it out, actually, I was in the pub watching it, I was saying to my dad, Carter Rickers and Starfoot were just knocking it back and forth to each other, then hopefully kind of launching it forward to try and get a throw in deep in our half. It was very rugby of them, actually, but that's absolutely fine. I'm more than happy for them to do that because those aren't players that can hurt you. And you're right, the baseline for midfield performances uh, from Rangers teams at Parkhead, especially in the recent past, is not very high. So no, any not. kind of any kind of improvement from that would have been incredibly welcome. But you're right, for Raskin, at such a, a young age, and I think... I'm definitely guilty of forgetting just how young this kid is to go in 
with 60,000 people being for your blood and to put in the level of not just quality performance but composure of performance as well. He was always available trying to take the ball off people. He was confident enough to actually turn and drive at Celtic as well. And I think that's one of the key things you need to do when you're a Rangers team at Parkhead playing Celtic or indeed in any kind of old firm game that you're in is you need to try and disrupt their rhythm because we've seen what happens, David, if we allow Celtic to get into the rhythm by standing off them and letting players like McGregor and O'Reilly get the ball, then they're going to hurt you right there are quality enough side to do that. But what they don't like is they, they don't like being pressed at all. So allowing Carter Vickers and Starfield just to have the ball in areas where they can't hurt you and then actually pressing the ball when it gets to the feet of, say, a Callum McGregor or an O'Reilly, which Cantwell and Raskin done, I think, brilliantly well, aided by Ryan Jack, it allows you to disrupt their style of play and actually implement your own game into the match. And I thought we'd done that incredibly well on Saturday, I must admit, in the opening exchanges. And I think as a, as a blueprint almost going forward, that's something to be incredibly encouraged by. And again, that maybe feeds into the wider point about how that game unfolded. This wasn't a, a tactical battle that was won or lost by Michael Beale. I actually think he got his tactical game spot on at the weekend. It was a game that was won and lost by individual moments of quality and errors. So I think as a blueprint going forward, obviously we'll maybe mention the, the Cup semi-final coming up in a couple of weeks. We need to see that again. Slightly different atmosphere, of course, because you're going to be at Hamden. But as a blueprint moving forward, it's absolutely one we need to stick to. Uh, Celtic do get the opening goal uh, after Rangers should have had the opening goal, but uh, Celtic get it, and again, it's a goal down the right-hand side, hit the byline, cut back. Again, credit to regretted teeth to Furahashi. He does the thing that, that good strikers do, which is when everyone from rushing towards the goal line, you take a wee step back and you buy yourself uh, a yard of space, swivels and hits it. I think McGregor can save this. To be honest, I think he's best he does. Um, uh, maybe being a wee bit harsh, but I, I think it was able. But even so, it's certainly not a howler, but uh, in it goes. Uh, led to some criticism of, of Tavernier there. For me, it's it's about make sure you're tracking men for the midfield in that situation. Tav's been responsible for a lot of goals like that. I don't necessarily think this one was on him. And in fact, in all honesty, Ross, I think that both the fullbacks, Tav obviously has... You know, a terrific game driving Rangers forward uh, from then on in. But Barisic, who's a guy that I must admit I had real fears about going to Parkhead. He's been playing quite well recently, but the scarring that, that Barisic has from, from certain Parkhead performances, nothing like that. I thought both of them acquitted themselves really well on Saturday. I think Borna Barisic has mental scarring from going to Parkhead. That's what I mean. That, that, yeah, 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 that, that's aye. exactly it. And, and I worried that he would get there, they would be on him because they're going to point you know that out to him. But he didn't allow that to happen. I thought was was really solid. Of course, you know, combining for the goal. But but more importantly, I thought both of them kind of held their, their end up. I do get incidentally people go, "Oh, but David, that goal again." You're absolutely right. For me, it's not about that goal because it can happen sometimes. For me, it's about the fact that it's the and again we come back to talking about this squad of players I can't believe that we have went through three different managers now and not one of them has been able to coach that out of them that big then becomes a personnel issue rather than a coaching one because you're right God, we are bored of seeing that exact same goal come in various different micro formats over the course of the last God knows how many seasons because that's the main type of goal that we concede. It's the same kind of goal that Celtic actually scored basically twice in the in the, in the cup final as well. 
So we're clearly not learning any kind of lessons there. But you're right, in terms of kind of the individual goal itself, it is it's a good touch and finish from uh, Furuhashi. Uh, the criticism of McGregor, I'm not sure it is. Very close proximity to him. You're right, probably at his peak, does he save it? It's not the kind of one I'd be saying I'd expect him to save, to be honest. You're right, it's not a howler. I think in moments like that, Maybe just my expectation level. Well, well, again, well, that, but maybe, maybe it is, maybe it is my expectation level, David. We expect him to do the amazing routinely, so I I accept that that it's probably my unrealistic expectation of him. But again, when you talk about expectation levels, this is kind of where this squad is at now. And listen, Al McGregor is in the conversation for the greatest Rangers goalkeeper of all time. He is one of the greatest Rangers players of all time. That is without debate. But my expectation level of not just Al McGregor, but this entire squad has been drastically recalibrated over the last couple of months as, as well. I don't expect Al McGregor in his current form to save that. If it was a better, if it was a better version of Al McGregor, if it's a better goalkeeper, then yeah, possibly you can make that point. But it's just another example of where this squad is at the moment, where these kind of individual errors. I know it wasn't quite an error, but those individual moments of lack of quality, they don't really come as a great surprise to me anymore so again it maybe comes down to that expectation level that we have for this squad or this lack of expectation and belief that we have in this squad because you're right it's not a howler in the way that we're going to talk about later on in terms of an individual error but it's not outstanding either and how many players in this squad could you say that about they're just doing bits they're just doing enough most of the time and that's probably not good enough over the course of a season Tam, of course, gets his back in with an absolutely glorious goal. Um, and we got it at half-time. And I think start the second half better. Uh, and in that 10 minutes was probably our spell to, to get into the lead and, and then things would have been interesting. We don't quite manage it. Alfie has a chance. It's a difficult chance. Uh, don't get me wrong. And he does okay with it. Uh, this is the thing about the front line for me, right? Ryan Kent was bloody awful. And... To be honest, I've said this before, I've gone back and forth on this a lot and, and was kind of stuck on, no, no, you keep him if you can. But I, I'm finding it harder to do that. And I think that I'm just like, you know what, it's best for us to try something else. It's not that you're not a really good player. It's not that you've not done loads for us. It's just that we need to try something else. We need a different type of thing from that that, that, that we're getting. Morelos, who was fine at the weekend, no complaints, but that's what you get from Alfie now. Fine. And I made this point somewhere else. If Morelos had been signed in the summer and didn't have the, the history with us, would we be saying, yeah, he's good enough to be our number nine? This Morelos now, I don't think we would. Um, I don't think that we would be saying, yes, he's absolutely a, a guy that we go forward with. So that's why I'd be letting both of them go in the summer. And Tillman, touching the Joe Aribo, just wants too much time in the ball in an old fun game. And the game isn't going to change. You need to adapt it. He's not first one of the ball was exactly the same. He said that his first old fun games, he was like, what the f- is going on here? But he adapted. You've got to adapt to that. But what that meant was that we had three up front, one who just couldn't get into the game in Tillman, one who was awful in Kent, and one who was doing okay, but no more than that in Morelos which meant we just did not have the cutting edge that we needed to go and get the game put to bed. Going back to the actual Morelos chance for a wee minute there, this comes back to what I was mentioning about Al McGregor in terms of just recalibration of expectations with this squad, because I genuinely think, see Morelos of two or three years ago, probably scores that. 
right? Because it is, it's a very, very good chance. Does he make a, a howler of it? Is it a bad effort? Not really, no, it's it's fine, but it's a comfortable enough save for Joe Hart. Morelos three years ago probably puts that back across the other end of the goal and scores. Same with Alan McGregor, two, three years ago he probably gets two strong hands to that Firahashi shot and saves it. But this is where this squad is at now, and so many members of it, Brian Kent being another one, maybe just are a year or two past their best and sell-by date, as far as we are concerned. Literally past our sell-by date when it comes to Ryan Kent and Alfredo Morelos given their contract situations. There's just so many like that who aren't making absolute howling errors, but they're just not doing enough for my liking. So you're right, I'm very much of the, of the idea that Morelos goes with my thanks in the summer. He's been a tremendous servant for Rangers, and we've all been on that Morelos roller coaster from the minute he walked into the door at Ibrooks David. But he has given us some incredible mate, some incredible nights, some incredible memories. He's scored some fantastic goals. He's been a modern day hero for a lot of young Rangers fans who maybe haven't had that before. We will remember him incredibly fondly. Ryan Kent, similar. Um, you and I were on Talking Ted's on the Patreon site a couple of weeks ago now, and I think we both said that we would keep Ryan Kent, but yep, I am now in the same boat as you. I'm finding that increasingly harder to justify to myself because, especially when you compare it to the Celtics front three, which is what you kind of have to do. What we do, yeah. Yes, what you kind of have to do, and you look at the level of output that they can give you across that front three, and of course, across the players that they can bring into that front three off the bench, they are just not offering that to us at all and you're right we have said it before with Ryan Kent countless times in a Rangers shirt he can play like he has the absolute weight of the world on his shoulders I didn't even think that was the case on Saturday he just looked like a player who was absolutely miles off it and I'm not going to accuse anyone of being mentally checked out but it was just the poorest Ryan Kent performance in an old firm that I can remember for a long long time and I even include the games that we were battered 3 or 4 nil into that you could at least try and use him as a bit of an out ball he didn't even offer that at the weekend, and it's just so incredibly disappointing and a bit sad, actually, that this is the way it's going to end for him because you're right, I'd be very surprised if we are now seriously looking at trying to give him a contract uh, extension, given the money that he would supposedly want for that. Malik Tillman's a wee bit of a different one. Um, obviously, it's still quite up in the air whether Malik Tillman will be a Rangers player next season, but you're right, there's more than a, a touch of the jewelry about him in these games. It's a very easy comparison to make, but given the age Malik Tillman is and given the potential that he has, I would still be willing to almost give him a level of the benefit of the doubt that he will be able to grow into this fixture. I'd want to be, I want, still want to give him the chance to. He's got two other old forms before now in the end of the season to actually go and try and impose himself in it. The League Cup final, I'm willing to kind of give him a wee bit of a buy on that. I don't think yeah, he was fit at all. Yeah. yeah. Um, the 4-0 game was his first old firm. I've seen a lot better players than Malik Tillman crumble in that kind of environment. I would have wanted a wee bit more from Ibrook. So he's got two more games before now in the end of the season to go prove that he can do it in this fixture, which I think is the, the last box he has to tick uh, in a lot of people's minds. And this is a big box, don't get me wrong, but I'd be you know more than confident trying to give him the chance to do so. But you're right, the front three in general, if you're in a situation like that at Parkhead, you need to be able to take your chances when they fall. You need to be clinical and you need to be ruthless. This front three just don't have it. The Celtic front three do, and that's how the goals come, because when they are gifted opportunities or opportunities present themselves, you would back them all to score them. By hook or by crook, Furuhashi is a very good striker. Jota is a very good player, and they are very good because they are clinical when it matters. We will not get that level of ruthlessness from this Rangers front three, and that's the problem. Not just on Saturday, David, but across the course of the season, 
as well. When it really comes down to it, in the crucial moments, we don't have the composure or the quality to actually punish teams. It was evident on Saturday, it's been evident elsewhere in the season. And until you change the personnel, it's going to keep being evident again. That's the way that you change it. And it's unfortunate we're in a position saying that because, like I say, Morelos and Kent have given us fantastic evenings before, fantastic memories. They have been brilliant servants to Rangers. They've done a lot for this club, they've done a lot for this team, even. But still, now, when you're looking at it in the cold light of day, we can't be sentimental anymore. We're not basing this off of what Ryan Kent done in Europe last year or what Alfred Morelos has given us in the past. It needs to be focused on the here and now and the future. And for me, do those two players fit into those plans? No, they probably shouldn't. No, I totally agree. Um, you're looking at the guts of £4 million pounds a year if you keep both of them in terms of wages. Now, we can certainly invest that badly, but there's also a very strong possibility that we can uh, invest it better. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, it's very straightforward. But uh, we do then enter the period where we just, as you say, uh, not so much shoot ourselves in the foot as just take a, a shotgun and blow off our fucking legs, <laughs> blow the knee completely off. Um, first of all, Ben Davis, like, don't know what he's thinking. Um, <sighs> everyone will have seen it by now, we don't need to describe it, but clear it, just head it out for the corner just, and then deal with it uh, it's, how many times can you say it in many different ways but that's true it's decision making that's in your control You know, you, there's not a lot you can do at certain goals I think we're realistic enough to accept that but in that instance there that is in your control just go and deal with it and if they score for the corner fair enough right but that's a different mistake and you still have a chance to reset and set yourself by choosing to do what he does there's no advantage whatsoever. And I get he's a football player, and he is, and he doesn't want to just maybe randomly do that. He wants to try and retain possession, maybe set Rangers on an attack. I get that. But again, it's just, where are you? Where are you in the game? All of those circumstances should come into your decision-making. Yeah. And I think that you know, Ben Davis is a very modern defender. He is somebody who is he's, you know, terrific with the ball at his feet. Uh, he's very good in terms of reading a game uh, and being in the right place at the right time. He's not a blood and thunder in the air, head the moon guy, which Rangers fans like in the main. But I don't know. He has played well this season. He's, he's been good. But I, I, I don't know what it is. He just doesn't seem to give me this sense of permanence, really. I, I wouldn't be surprised if he left in the summer. Um, Rangers recouping the money because he is a good player. I don't know what it is. And the way that sort of goals have arrived and you know, made the spot has, and he's a centre-half. I just don't get that with Davis. He just sort of feels like he's he's there and he's not bad. Am I being unfair there? I, as I say, I'm not trying to I don't think he's a bad player or anything. It's just that maybe we need a defender who fist pumps when he makes a clearance. That, you know... Uh, I'd rather win 2-0 than 3-1 type guy. Just clean sheet mental defender. <laughs> Possibly. Um, I agree with that. I think Ben Davies is... is def- he's not been taken to by the support maybe as much as what he would have perhaps liked. Now, he didn't really have an opportunity to get off to a great start at Rangers. There was injury issues and personal issues there that I think are well documented. So I don't think he ever had that immediacy of being able to come in 
and then make an instant impression straight away and people can kind of latch on to that because we all do it, right? If someone makes a great first impression on you, Tillman, for example, I think was really good at that in the early stages of making a really good first impression, something tangible the support can hang on to when you do make a bad mistake like this. He never really had that. He's not really ever had that moment, that one shining example in the Rangers shirt where you say that's a kind of defender Ben Davies. Yeah, maybe it is. Until Saturday. Now, if you want Ben Davies out of the team, that's what you would be pointing to, saying this is the kind of defender Ben Davies is, because for £4 million, you would like someone who has the in-game nous to just put that out for a corner. And I understand the arguments about wanting to retain possession, hit Celtic on the counter-attack, but you put it spot on there, David. Think about where you fucking are in the world at that moment, right? You're at Parkhead. It is not the time or place to do that. You're not at Ibrooks at home at Livingston here. When yes, absolutely, that is the time and place to do that. Just defend the corner first. Does that maybe point to a lack of um, confidence in us as a team to defend set pieces, or is that just an individual howler? What what is going through his brain at that time? Only Ben Davies will know, and you can imagine he'll be up all night on Saturday thinking about it, trying to replay it back in his head. But the reality is, is as bad an individual error as I thought you would see at Parkhead, maybe a worse one was to come a couple of minutes later. But you need to just be smarter than that. And it, that's the only word that I can kind of come to my mind for it, David. It's just a complete lack of intelligence to do what you need to do in that moment. And possibly, like I say, people use that as a stick to beat him with because of the price that we paid for him, which is not his fault, right, at all. That was a Rangers decision. But for that kind of money, you would want a defender who has that level of tactical now just to put it out for a corner and then defend that later. Celtic could score for the corner, right? Fair enough, it could happen. But you give yourself a chance to defend it. And that's mm-hmm. the key thing. As soon as that ball basically falls to the feet of Furuhashi in the box, you don't give your chance. You don't give yourself a chance to defend it. It's just going to be a goal at that point. Well, as I say, what he was trying to do, only he will know. But it costs as dearly. Well, I go back to when... Gerard was here and we had Balogun and Hellander and for the defending games it was Hellander and for the games we were going to have all the ball it was Balogun and Davis to me is a game you have the ball defender because he's terrific in the ball he can step forward when a team breaks because he's got great positional sense he can mop it up uh, that's his strength when a team is coming at you and putting balls into your box and buzzing about Maybe not his strongest thing. But again, David, for four million pounds for the money we paid, we you're expecting the complete package. And, you don't and get that. that for four million. That's something else we have to understand these days. That what's a lot of money to us is fuck all in terms of you know, four million pounds buys you a decent English Championship defender, and that's what he is. We got what we paid for. This is the situation we're in. It's why you have to spot gems. It's why you've got to get unrealized market value from players but for yeah but that's, this is what i'm saying because of that because of that price tag people will expect it from them correct correct yeah but, yeah you know, that's, that's the point i'm trying to make i'm not necessarily sure that, that that's realistic but equally I, I do take the point and it is fair because it's also for four million pounds can we have a guy that plays certain games in that position that's that's another question but um, moving on then, John Suter, look, everything about this is wrong. Um, it's Suter's mistake that causes the goal, don't get me wrong, but first of all, the pass back to him, Ryan Jack, uh, it's, it's not a clever one, puts him in bother, because Celtic have players ready to go and press him three of them then do. He then plays it back without due care and attention, and look, while it's not Alan McGregor's fault this goal in any way, uh, actually, it was a bit painful 
genome learning to try and get to it. Um, he looked every inch his age as he did that. And it's 3-1 and you think, right, well, here we go, we know what happens from here, the collapse is imminent. And that was my biggest fear, I actually. I, I thought that. at that point, yeah. we could go and get a, a, a really heavy one. Yeah, because at that moment it really looked as though the heads had gone in the key areas as well, obviously your two centre-halves. One centre-half making a, an individual error, right, okay, it's horrendous, it's, it's unthinkable, but it can happen, right, it is within the realms of possibilities. For the two of them to do it in such short a space of time, it points to something else that you kind of thought, okay, this could be a total heads-gone moment and we have seen it with Rangers before because this team and this side has conceded goals in batches and very very quick bunches before which is something we've not actually seen for a while I'll give them their due but it is something we know that is within their locker to do so at that point I was really worried that obviously within that fervent atmosphere with, with 60,000 Celtic fans around you that they would just collapse under, under the weight of the pressure they were putting themselves under. Thankfully that never happened but just on the goal itself, yeah, it's, it's horrendous. And listen, I don't think John Souter ex- expected to be playing on Saturday, so that is no, one didn't. thing. Um, last minute, yeah, that, but this is this is the kind of point I'm making. He's not really match sharp. He's not as fit as he would like to be. But even against that, right, we're talking about basing things here. You can't just blindly pass the ball back. Not in a game like that. It doesn't matter whether you're fit or experienced in a Rangers jersey or if it's your first old form or not. You just can't be doing that at any level. You'd be ran over hot coals in the Lowland League if you decided to do that. Mm. It's just it's not an acceptable thing to do. And you're right, well, McGregor coming out, I don't think there was a single Rangers fan out there who thought he was getting to that ball. First he did. He looked every inch. He's aging. Uh, another tick in the box of why we need to replace Alan McGregor in, in the summer. And again, it's we I like what we said earlier on, David. That's not a howler from Alan McGregor. Absolutely not. not. His fault, he should not but be put in that position. But does a younger Alan McGregor or indeed a, a sharper goalkeeper get to that ball? Possibly. That they don't look miles away it. from it. And it's those wee small individual things that aren't overly massive on the face of it that builds up to having a calamity like that. No, but that is exactly what it is. It's the fact that a more modern goalkeeper, a different generational goalkeeper, is used to playing up to a high line and coming out, and that is something that we need, somebody who understands that and is on their toes in those circumstances and being ready to go. McGregor, as we know, is reluctant to come off his line full stop, and I don't think that in the modern game you can have that from a goalkeeper. Um, I think, especially if you're a team like us who does play with a higher line, expects to have the ball, you need a goal. Now, that doesn't mean, incidentally, that you won't have a situation where the goalkeeper comes peering at his box and makes an arse of it from time to time, you see that with even the best. You see Ederson do that. You see Allison do it. It can happen. But you still need somebody who can do it if you want to play the way that we play. Now, we did mention 3-1. And as you say, goals coming quite quickly. Heads might have gone down. And, and to be fair to this Rangers team, who we have seen do this at Parkhead. They didn't. And in fact, get back into a terrific goal from Tav. Wonderful ball from Barisic. And there he is to nod home for his 100th goal. I think we'll talk about that more in you know, that achievement in a few weeks, uh, I think it's it's probably the wrong time at the moment. He said as much himself after the match. But, um, you yeah, know, might have pinched a draw, which in the end wouldn't have been good. Well, wouldn't have been pinching a draw, we deserved it, but couldn't get the goal, Celtic hang on. That's pretty much the league done. So we move on, as we have to do. And you and I have kind of already covered this, but for me, it's a personnel thing. I think the manager, since he's come in, has got the most that anybody could have got out of this squad. 
Could have won the League Cup, either terrible day that day. But in the league, I think this is where this squad are. Uh, they are better than everybody else. They're capable of competing with Celtic. They'll win, I think, certain matches against them. But overall, Celtic will have the better. If nothing was to change between these two teams, uh, Celtic would have the overall better record because of the reasons we've spoken about the quality up front and whatnot. So I don't think it changes till personnel changes. My concern then is we've got two more old firm matches, one of which is pretty meaningless, really, in terms of silverware and whatnot. And yes, Rangers are capable of winning both of these, but we're also capable of narrowly losing both of these. And then people you know, will understandably go, well, that's five he's lost. Whereas for me, I think it's now a case of all, you know, chuck absolutely everything at Hamden to, to get the victory because that will change things around a little bit. But all of these glaring issues, he spoke about after the game, he says we need you know, six new players and then we'll be in a different place and ready to go. He knows what he needs to improve this side. And I don't see it changing much between now and the end of the season. I look, people were talking about the substitutions at the weekend and I would have had Scarlo in at halftime. That's a change I would have made. But I looked at the bench you know, in the second half when I'm beginning to notice the midfield flag and I thought, well... Okay, do you really want to send Lindstrom on, who looks as though he's been thrown in a caravan and will drop? One of the reasons why, as I say, the midfield competed was that Cantwell's starting position was 30 yards further forward. You know that Lindstrom would default back to just in front of the 18 yard line, which invites pressure on us. Uh, so, do you really want to chuck him on? Kamara, waste of space. You know, there's, there's no point chucking him on. You know what you're not going to get from him now. And there's a guy who quite clearly sees his future away from the club. Then you're looking at attacking players and you're talking on Scott Wright. Yeah. More than hope than expectation, if we're really being honest. So because of that, I think there you see the difference as well. That it's not what we can against other teams, yes. But against the higher level teams, you don't have somebody that you can go right back and rely on you to come on and do something. You really are looking at Sakala because he's a decent impact sub. Apart from that, it's a change of a face, but it's not going to improve you. No, um, and this is the other kind of glaring deficiency when you compare Rangers and Celtic is that Celtic do have the squad depth to be able to do that. And that's what I said earlier on about Celtic don't just have quality within their starting front three, they have quality to come off the bench as well and bolster that. And that's not just a, a helpful asset to have in an old firm game that you need to go in, David. It shows itself of course, across the course of a season as well because... That's really where the leagues have been won and lost recently. Um, this year especially, we are about 12 points behind now. We've only lost to Celtic twice. They have been remarkably consistent over the course of the league and that comes from having good squad depth. But when you are in a position where the game maybe isn't or hasn't gone your way and you need to look, be able to change things off the bench, then you need to have players that you can hang your hat on to call upon in those crucial moments to be able to change it for you. Sakala has, to be quite fair to him, been very very good since Michael Beale came in so I agree with you, I would have had him on a lot earlier as well, um, you really can ask him to do quite a lot considering the time period that he was brought on in but you're going through the bench there, who else could you possibly have brought on at the weekend Yanis Hadji, maybe, who we've not seen an awful lot of recently Scott Arfield's in the same boat who we've not seen an awful lot of recently and possibly the fact that neither of those two got on either, David maybe points to what their mm. future's going to look like uh, after the summer as well so again, 
it's not just an issue with the actual starting eleven for me. It's an issue with the depth as well. Because listen, that starting eleven that we put out is is good enough to to beat that Celtic team. It's good enough to match them certainly. And like you said, they are in a one off game. It probably could beat that Celtic team. But where it is won and lost over the course of a season is in your squad depth as well. And that's something that we don't have. Which is strange to say because I've looked at that bench before this in other games this season and thought that bench looks actually quite strong comparable to what it's been like in the past couple of years. But when you're looking at it on Saturday and you know what could have been, none of it really fills you with any kind of confidence either. Whereas Celtic are bringing on quality all over the park. And that's something as well you need to address in the summer. It can't just be you're getting the main event and for those kind of six starting players that we speak about, you need to get the, I almost call it the veg on the Christmas dinner as well. You need to have things that can go about and supplement it too. So as much as it is important, those six starters that we mentioned across the pitch, that added quality and that added impetus that we get there, we need to have quality to back up off the bench as well because you leave yourself in a position if you don't where you're one or two injuries away from kind of being right back where you started again. So there you have it, folks. Not far away, but far enough. Uh, hope for the future, but also concerns, I think, is probably uh, what we've been trying to say for the past 45 minutes. If you want much more, uh, how the game is broken down tactically, instant reaction, uh, the, the fallout from it, everything that happens through the week, go to patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. That's patreon.com forward slash heart and hand. My thanks to you, Ross, for joining me today. I thank you. It's been cathartic. Cheers. <laughs> and um, my thanks to our executive producers in London, Mike Lee and Paul Miles. I will be back here next week in just taking on St Mirren. Uh, Heart and Hand Extra will be here for you free. And if you haven't been checking out, go and check out. We're out three free shows a week now. We're also putting out Dominant, which was one of our big hits on the Patreon site last year. Uh, we are putting that out. It's the story of Rangers 1986 to 1998, magisterially even, told by Martin Ramsey. Right, until I speak to you again, folks. Have a good week. Take care, everyone. Bye-bye. Sports Social Podcast Network.